Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Fleissey. Good evening, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Feels like a month since we were here last. It was a month. Oh, okay. <laughs> I missed you. I missed you too, Joe. We have a special guest here today. Yeah, and it's not, you know, we normally don't allow anybody anybody to come in here. <laughs> we really don't. We don't We don't want visitors. No, there's still no, nobody here. But, uh, yeah, right. you know, uh, Mike McDowell. Uh, my good buddy and uh, John's good buddy and one of the finest brewers we know. Oh yeah, oh, Jamil, come on. Is here. Hi everybody. Uh, Award winning brewer. He's he's here with us. Great. Long shot finalist. Yeah, his yeah. beer is uh, out of. Uh, he's got a fifty fifty chance of being in the long shot uh, six pack. If it was just random chance, but right. of course he's going to be in that six pack. Big year. smiley face. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. I hope that if they make my beer, they make it close to my beer, you guys are all going to love it. Okay? Yeah. You hopheads will anyway. Yeah, he's got a double IPA in the uh, in the long shot competition. We should buy a pallet of it if he wins it. Oh, yeah. 56 Absolutely. cases. Or maybe maybe he could just make us a couple of kegs. Yeah. Oh, that too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Save> <laughs> even gone. better. <laughs> could you just brew it for us? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Mike, brew me some beer. Well, we're here with sure. the 2007 Ninkasi... Award recipient, Jamil Zanishef. <laughs> yes. Well done. Thank you. Good work. I, I won, and I got a whole bunch of prizes, too. And like one, what? And I got, like, you know, conical fermenter from more beer. I got a, a, a wood barrel from White Labs. Also from White Labs, I, look at this, a heroin spoon from White Labs. It says White Labs. Did you really get so a spoon? Is that Is that the deal? Yes. They give you a like black a and tan spoon. I think it's more like a Coke spoon. <laughs> it's a black and tan spoon? Wow. Well, then I need to clean the heroin What's residue out of you, it. What's wrong man? Did they give you a big lighter to go with that? Or? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> big lighter. A little burner. Yeah, those I, little torches. yeah I thought it was for heroin. Yeah. No. No? No. What's it for? For black and tans? Yeah, black and tans. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll clean that up and use it for black and tans. McDonald's got a lighter. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> we'll just shoot up. <laughs> okay. I thought it was an unusual gift to get. Yeah. Because I, I also got a mirror, and I knew what that was for. <laughs> They just didn't give you the blade. Right. Oh, right, right. Wow. So, you know, I, I, I assume the spoon. See, now that's worth it. Wind and Kasi, get drug paraphernalia. You're good. Exactly. Yeah. I, 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 that was the first <laughs> thing that came to my mind, of course. Right. But, uh, you know. Uh, it, yeah, it was great. I, if you've never been, and neither of you guys were there this year. I know. Yeah, we couldn't be there. It's really kind of disappointing. Where were yeah. you, Mike? You were... Uh, well, I had to go to a wedding, but uh, I've been like the last four years. I just had, you know, couldn't go this time. Yeah. Next year, Cincinnati. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. I already booked my room. So did I. Already? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm not screwing around. I'm not missing this. Yeah, it's available, so everybody's going to be signing up. So. Yeah. Yeah, sign up right away. Get, get your be tail to, to, to yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. It's uh, June 19th, I think is when it starts. Okay. I think... Isn't that the, isn't that the date? So is that about that time, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, we post on the forum so you can see uh, what the dates are and all the contact information. And you didn't do too shabby at uh, the NHC either. Yeah, hey, I'm just glad I placed. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, and you've placed every year that you've entered. Isn't that yeah. correct? Yes, that's correct. That is quite an accomplishment that right is, there. It certainly is. It all is different beers, easy. too, which was good, too. 
Never yeah. the same beer. Yeah, it's nice to to, to place with different ones because right. then, yeah, if you're always placing with the same one, then it's kind of like, well, <laughs> you know, you got one like good beer, yeah, but if like you're fruit beer, but a fruit beer win twice, two years earlier. But if you, but if you're winning with all sorts of different beers, then then you can chalk it up to just like, well, you know, there's a lot of good beers in there. Yeah. You know? Cool. Drink. <laughs> okay. So yeah, w- what we're talking about tonight is. Uh, IPAs, and one of the reasons uh, we got Mike here is because he brews great IPAs, double IPAs, regular IPAs. He brews a lot of great beer, mm-hmm. but uh, you know he's quite uh, understandably proud of his IPA and his hop schedule and how he hops his beers is very unique. Uh, is, we, it, is it? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. We're going to later. So nothing too special. <laughs> yeah. Introduce hops at every possible moment. Maybe right. that's my deal. That's when we need to share, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we got a lot to cover this show. Yeah, we do. So I, I say we, we jump right in because people are going to have a lot of questions for Mike. Oh God! And it's one of the the rare opportunities that uh, we get Mike in the studio. Little so presence. You want to cover? I like uh, his vibe too. By the way, it's like he, he, I'm just so relaxed when I'm around McDole. <laughs> He's just hanging out. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, you know more relaxed than I am. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's all that medication. Right. You want to cover... What, tell us about, about IPA. Well, uh, American IPA is very popular. It's definitely a West Coast beer. Uh, the aroma of this beer is very intense with hop aroma. Uh, the aromatics should be of citrus, somewhat perfumey, little resin coming through, maybe some piney or grapefruit. Uh, some people say danky, too, maybe some from the use of Columbus hops. Uh, also, you can get a, maybe a grassy aroma mm-hmm. from possible dry hopping. Uh, with American IPAs, you definitely want to use American style hops, and we'll get we'll go over those later. Um, also, in the aromatics, you pro- probably get some esters and some alcohol, maybe from alcohol because it's a high alcohol beer, about six percent or more. Uh, visually, the color is about medium gold to medium copper, um, maybe some orange hue coming through. And as far as the flavor, uh, definitely hops coming through, uh, medium to high bitterness. Um, Meeting the high hop flavor. I mean, I, I think we should definitely talk about the difference between bitterness and hop flavor, you know, mm-hmm. um, later on. Uh, strong malt backbone to balance out the high use of hops. Uh, definitely should be balanced, too. You don't want it to be too just over the top, just hop liquid. You definitely want a good malt backbone. Um, there's definitely some toastiness maybe coming through, caramel flavors. And overall, it's just a over-the-top pale ale. Hoppy, bitter, balanced with just some good old malty goodness. So now, now, what's your? Uh, I'm just assuming here you've had a really good IPA, IPA that you really love. Take, give, give, me, give me a cur- commercial example of a great IPA. Uh, Russian River Standard IPA. Yeah. Or yeah, the Blind Pig too is mm-hmm. great. So Blind Pig, I think, is almost blonde in color. It's not mm-hmm. even. It's a lighter color than I'm. Nor- I'm used to. I'm usually used to a copper color. Well, and that's one of the things. Uh, you know, it's similar to how Pliny's done, where um, you know it doesn't have a lot of uh, color malts in it, character malts in it, the the crystals and all that, mm-hmm. and it's a drier, crisper finish. Uh, you you could have that same range in IPAs. I think the style guides, I think it's uh, I think it's uh, you know accurate, but I think um, you know I tending to see a few more in the lighter color range more recently, and I think that's just to Keep them, uh, you know, more drinkable, you know, in in large quantities. Is that to dry it out more? 
Is yeah. That, yeah, that's what the commercial guys are doing. They're drying them out. That, that's what they, they say the, the uh, IPA drinkers want is just a pure hoppy beer and forget mm-hmm. about the, the malty back in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I used to think, you know, uh, you know, more malty to balance the more more bitterness and hoppy. And, and that can work up to a point. And I think once you get to a certain amount of hopping, if you put enough malt to balance that, it's too much. It's just too multi. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, what about you, Mike? What's what's one of your favorite commercial IPAs out there? Well, I drink uh, locally, so I like uh, Drake's, uh, mm-hmm. Lagunitas. That's a great one, yeah. And, um, yeah, the Drake's the always places, beers, in a lot of, uh, places in a lot of competitions, Drake's yeah, IPA. Right. It's a very tasty beer. That's, yeah. how, that's why it does. Yeah. And they're consistent, too, which always yeah. blows me away. I mean, if you have a lot of hops in a beer, mm-hmm. keep them the same or somewhat the same throughout each year. Right. I mean that's pretty impressive. That uh, yeah, that's it. very tricky because it's yeah. a it's a it's a component of the beer that changes year to year. Uh, you know, depending on how much rain they get and how the, the the growing season, a lot of processing on the hops, and you know they try and keep it pretty consistent. But that's a variable uh, ingredient in the beer, and mm-hmm. keeping your beer consistent is very difficult. But uh, uh, what about you? Know, well, one, one of the as a matter of fact, one of the most recent IPAs I drank was an Avery IPA. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, of of the many things Justin left behind in the motorhome, one happened to be a bottle of uh, Avery IPA. Good man. So <laughs> clearly, he missed it on on his way out. Otherwise, <laughs> it would not have been. <laughs> yeah, he's purely accidental. Accidental. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm thinking guy could leave you know a couple of bottles behind. I did bring beer on the way out. He could leave a few on the way back. Oh, right. But no, no, no. That makes up with the dirty underwear he left, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I took mine and yours. I think I have your NHC beer here. Yeah, see, so, wow. so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm spending the day cleaning other residues, like out of the bathroom, tissue, the maybe? bedroom. Yeah, you know, tissues stuck all over the place. Ugh. And, you know, so I, I helped myself to that beer. And I'll tell you, that Avery beer was really good. I was very surprised. It, you know, it went through a lot of abuse. Uh, you know, on the on the trip back, and and it got pretty warm before I finally chilled it down and drank it. And it was one of those ones with the uh, lighter uh, body. It's very you know almost uh, a bit more um, uh, lighter gold or blonde in color. And uh, I thought it was really good, real refreshing, great hop character. I enjoyed that one a bunch. So there's a lot of good IPAs. The ones I don't care for are a lot of brew pubs and a lot of homebrewers will do is um, they make it really sweet. There's a lot of sweetness, residual sweetness to it. I, I like a malt character, but I don't like too much sweetness. And the sweetness tends to get too cloying or candy-like a right. lot of times. Does that take away from the hot bitterness? You yeah, think? well, they're, the they're, yeah, I think a lot of times they're doing it to balance that hot bitterness. Uh, okay. They just don't get it quite right. Yeah, I I I think it you know too much residual sweetness. Nah, it's cloying. Right. You know, you can balance it to a point, but past that, it's it's too much. How were the homebrewers IPAs out in NHC? Did you try any, or was there any? Or uh, I'm trying to think of who I tried. You know, um, actually, one of the uh, I've tried a number of uh, clones of Denny's Rye IPA, and a number of them haven't been very good. Yeah. There was one guy, Jesse. Uh, he brought a clone of Denny's uh, Rye IPA, and uh, it was actually probably the best one I've ever had. And I, I thought, like, you know, right. after drinking, I'm like, oh, this is this is nice. This is a good drinkable IPA, and you know, with a little Rye character to it. I, I imagine that's what you know Denny's you know Rye IPA should be. And I thought that was really good. 
All right, so we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll uh, dive into the recipe for Mike's uh, award-winning IPA. festival will last for three days, have more than 40,000 visitors, more than 380 breweries, more than 1,600 beers, but only one lucky listener will be going for free. Beer, beer, and more beer, the Brewers Association, White Labs, and the Brewing Network are sending you on the beer trip of the year. Airfare, hotel, all festival sessions for free. Brought to you by the Brewers Association, White Labs, Beer, Beer, and More Beer, and the BN. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com for more details. This is the Jameel Show. <laughs> yeah, see, Mike, you get to sit next to John and be annoyed by his <laughs> antics uh, sort of coming back from break. Yeah, okay. He's got a drum set at his house. I get to rock out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His furniture. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> his furniture. <laughs> furniture, you can't Yeah. All right. We're talking about IPAs. I get my buddy here, Mike McDole and uh, John Plisse, and uh, we are going to go over Mike's award-winning IPA recipe. Mike brews a hell of an IPA. We're enjoying some right now. And uh, let's see, for uh, 12, 12 gallons, 12 U.S. gallons, and I apologize to our international listeners. I got this recipe from Mike, and I did not do all the conversions for uh, metric. So uh, you're just going to have to gut it through uh, and calculate it on your own this time. Sorry about that. A good website is onlineconversion.com. Online, yeah. Well, and you can do it in the Google field, too. That's normally You just type in, you know, FNC, and it gives you... Uh, all right, so for 12 U.S. gallons, your anticipated original gravity is uh, 1066, or uh, 16, about 16 Plato. And uh, <laughs> your SRM is going to be about uh, 14, about 80 IBUs, at a efficiency of 65%. You're going to be boiling this for 90 minutes total. We're going with uh, 28 pounds of uh, American uh, two-row, two pounds of a caramel pills malt, two pounds of a crystal 60, one pound crystal 120, and one pound of Munich for the malt bill. Now, I, I find that interesting because uh, you know, that's a lot of uh, crystal 120. That's a lot of crystal 60 for uh, you know a, a beer of the IPA style. We're talking how some of the beers... Uh, that people are doing nowadays, they're you know a lighter, you know crisper thing. This is this is on the other end. This yeah, is going yeah, the dark. Yeah, I'm operating at the other end of the deal. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that Crystal 120 uh, adds a whole. Uh, the beers that we're drinking it now, uh, it's a, really a bright uh, red. It's a little bit even beyond uh, what the Stogine says about what uh, copper. Mm-hmm. It's definitely more red than copper for sure. 
And why but, are you uh, doing that? It's, you're well, I'm not... trying to uh, basically uh, do a clone of uh, Sierra Nevada mm-hmm. Celebration Ale, which is a big red Christmas beer. Right. And oh, and uh, so besides the, the red color, though, you're going for what kind of flavor with that Crystal 120 and that uh, Crystal 60? Well, I'm hopping it up pretty well, so I want some residual, you know, maltiness to uh, mm-hmm. to be there for the for the big hops. That caramel right. sweetness sure. that, that you're getting from the 60 yeah. and the 120. I always find that that gives me some sort of, uh, you know, kind of like a slightly burnt caramel yeah. and a raisiny type of uh, note to things. Doesn't seem to come through with this beer. I don't know whether it's the the uh, you know the bigger out the bigger uh, malt bill, the more mm-hmm. base malt mm-hmm. or what. But uh, I don't get that. It seems like it just to me it's just I'm adding the red color when I add that. Right. Well, in this I think uh, you know can handle some of it. You, I, I think you're, you know, close to the limit on it. I, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't double it or well, yeah, anything I, like that. Yeah, <laughs> anybody making this beer, they may consider not even putting that in there just because I think it back, get it back mm-hmm. to the uh, nice light colored uh, beers, which everybody seems to want to make now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's yeah. an option for you. Yeah, or you use wanna... less. I mean, if you want to, right. Because, uh, dark grains, and I call, I consider that a fairly dark grain, mm-hmm. uh, depends on your process. I mean, I, my system, a little bit seems to go a long way because I recirculate my mash. Right. And so any sort of color grains that I add into the mix, it gets the full effect of those. Right. How long do you uh, recirculate for? Uh, for, the, for the whole mash. So, you know, 30-minute rest, 50-minute uh, wrap-up to sparge, uh, it's all uh, recirculating the whole time. So, uh, and actually, I, I guess that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a pound, but this is a 12-gallon batch, so that's really uh, under 3%. Of the total grist for that 120, so that's not too bad. Yeah. I think uh, uh, let me give the percentages here, so that'll be easier for people who are trying to convert uh, and set up the recipe. So uh, 82.4 percent is the the American uh, pale malt, uh, 5.9 percent of uh, Carapils, uh, 5.9 percent of Crystal 60, 2.9 percent of Crystal 120, and 2.9 percent of uh, Munich malt. Now, uh, the Munich malt, I assume you're also doing for a, for a malty background? Yeah, a little melanoidin going on there, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah complexity, yeah. And you're doing all this to balance out the hops, or? Well, I don't know. It's just a malt that I like to use to give it the, the beer a little more interesting uh, background. It's interesting drinking this beer. I taste the Crystal 120, the, some of the crystals coming through, rounded out by the malty bitterness, and then it just kind of goes away. It's like a smooth finish. There's no like bitterness lingering anymore. I, I well, I think one of the hallmarks of Mike's beers are that one, they're clean, mm-hmm. and two, that you know they have a nice finish to them. Mm-hmm. They're never cloying. They're never uh, harsh. They're never uh, you know lots of residual whatever. It's it's a it's a beer you can drink. In, any beer Mike makes is a beer you can drink in quantity. Oh yeah, <laughs> sometimes too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I get here and I'm like, Mike, you bring beer? You know, uh, you know don't bother saying hello. It's like, uh, you bring beer? There's Pour me beer. Yeah. Give me beer, Mike. Give me beer. Selfish. No. That's me. Yes. And, yes. and of course, I did bring beer. Yes, you did. Yeah. And at first he says no. I'm just like, let's get a little sound effects here. Don't cool. shake up those. Sorry, those beers, I'm diving in the cooler. <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, what kind of uh, mash temp do you do on that uh, grain biller? Well, I uh, do like to do a 153. Might let it kick up to 154. Mm-hmm. I love the mouthfeel associated with that sort of mashing, and mm-hmm. uh, willing to take a little bit hit on the uh, terminal gravity, but uh, I hop it to 
anticipate a little bit more uh, dolphinism mm-hmm. to finish. Mm-hmm. And for hops, you've got here uh, interesting uh, hop uh, run here. We've got uh, an ounce and a half of uh, Chinook hops pellets at 11% alpha acid as a mash hop. Is that is that a whole hop? Mike or pellets. 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 Yeah. Pellets. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. As, as a mash hop, so he, he's adding that to his uh, to his grains and uh, and to the entire mash. Do you scatter those on the top, or do you mix them in with your grains? I just mix them in with the grain before I uh, dough in. You know, just sort of hydrate it all at the same time. Wow. And what do you well, find yeah. you get from that mash hop? Yeah. Well, Jamil, you know, it's sort of a Zen thing here. I don't know what I'm getting. Uh, probably, like, <laughs> there's probably some spirits that need to be driven out with the. Uh, <laughs> that come in the green or something. I don't know. It adds, to me, probably like a softer uh, bitterness that I'm that I'm hoping will like uh, persist through the boil somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it it probably doesn't, but it's sort of a something I like to do. So it calculates out to the. I sometimes I you know in other beers I'll add it all into the sixty minute. Mm-hmm. But I don't know beer that I'm looking for an overall uh, multi layered hops at every level sort of effect. I figure well there's a level I can put in. Uh, you know. Free of charge. Do you wave any other hops around or add some to the burner or anything? No, no. I just brew without pants. That's, there of course, go. everybody's doing that. Well, and see, <laughs> and, and what I do is uh, I have one of those little uh, goats that's on the Eyinger uh, celebrator bottle. Oh, uh-huh. this, yeah, we're listening. And I... <laughs> And I, <laughs> I, I, no, I... This is one of those secrets. Okay. I hang that on my uh, mash tun. Really? Oh, yeah. You told me this before. Yeah, I did. But this time I'm remembering for some reason. This is this is the secret. This is the one thing I've kept secret. This is I'm finally opening the kimono right here, baby. Well, That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm going to get one of those right this away. This is the, the little goat the on little the goat, bottle. Plastic yeah. goat off the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Hang that on the mash tun. What? That's well, that's your lucky key. charm. That's it. I've given it all. I'm, I'm, Man, I'm, now I know what this feels. You're still really totally screwed too, you, but I, it's really in yeah. The, I've the, been lying the all this time. Yeah. It's, it's the plastic goat. goat. It's a plastic yeah. goat. Cool. <laughs> I tell you, it works for Iinger. Yeah, it works can't, for you. Can't can't go wrong. It works for me. Mm. All right. So uh, let's see. We got an ounce of Chinook pellets again, eleven percent alpha uh, at sixty minutes. We've got four ounces of Centennial pellets. At 9.9% alpha for 15 minutes. Four ounces Cascade whole at 6.7% alpha for five minutes. And then four ounces of Cascade whole at 6.7% alpha in a hot back. So, uh. Yeah, what's a hot back? <laughs> yeah, why, why don't you go over the hot back for, for us, Mike? Well, a hot back is, uh, essentially it's a small canister. I'm doing, uh, like Jamil says, a 12-gallon batch. Or so my equipment's, you know, sort of for 10, for 10 gallons. So I'm using a about a quart and a half uh, stainless steel container, and it's got like a false bottom, like you would see in, in most uh, brewing equipment that has a false bottom. And I stuff a uh, hop sack full of uh, hops into that, and then the hot wort runs through that right ahead of the uh, counterflow uh, chiller. So, so the last thing the hops, I mean, the, the wort sees before it hits the chiller is this bed of hops. Hmm. So you're locking in when it cools rapidly. Right after that, you're locking in that hop resins and flavors and the uh, yeah. the uh, oils and volatile uh, uh, organics of of the hops into the into the wort. Right, that's the idea. Cool. All right, so uh, you got that in the hop back. Uh, four ounces of the hole in the hop back. We're halfway there. 
Yeah, yeah, we're, we're nearing the end. Uh, well, there's more hops. More hops. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, the rest are dry hopping. So, uh, when do you dry hop your beer? Well, after the uh, first week of fermentation, uh, sometimes an extra day, depending on how much it's going. When it's bubbling about every 10 to 15 seconds, I'm thinking, okay, that's a good time to put that in there. Mm-hmm. And I'll add it all at one time. Uh, you add them loose or do you add them in a I add them in hop sacks, or? yeah, hop yeah. sacks, weighted hop sack. Don't let them sit on top. That's asking for trouble. Um, Why is that? Uh, well, you know, you're introducing oxygen when you, you know, obviously the bag of hops you're putting in there is sterile as it is. There's oxygen mm-hmm. included in the bag and then, of course, in the hops themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, let's get that all to the bottom. At least that's, you know, out of the, uh, out of that, uh, where the, you know, when oxygen is meeting that, uh, croissant, that might still be on there. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, then I, every, what I do differently is, uh, maybe not so differently, but every two days I rouse the fermenter. It's how you rouse it. Yeah, how you takes rouse his it. pants off, takes the Viagra. <laughs> now, is, pants are still off. Is this oh. still on the gross yeast? With all well, the yeast, I'm, I'm using a yeah, I'm conical, right? Are so I'm using it as a unit tank. I don't go to a secondary. Oh, do you right. drop the yeast before you dry hop? No. Okay. No. So it's on the I don't drop bed. the yeast. No. Hmm. No. And and technically, it's still fermenting. If you're going 15 oh, yeah. seconds between right. bumps, it's still fermenting right. and in the primary. Right. And I want it to be fermenting because I'm introducing oxygen. I want to get to, that to get scrubbed out. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people like to dry hop way late in the process, even in the in the bright tank, in the keg, after they rack the beer and they're drinking it. They want the uh, dry hop to be in there. I'm not too crazy about that, especially with hoppy beers, because well, they oxidize so easily. Well, I think one of the uh, one of the theories on that is they don't want any of the CO2 scrubbing away into the uh, aromatics of the hops. Right. Well, but that's then, a res- you know, yeah. toss in more hops. Exactly. It's a recipe. You can fix that. Yeah. <laughs> more hops. Right. More hops. And this is, got, even if, once you list the quantities there, you'll see that there's plenty of hops there. Right. So, uh, for, for dry hopping, Mike's got, uh, uh, two ounces of Cascade pellets, two ounces of Centennial pellets, and two ounces of Chinook pellets. And it really doesn't matter what the alpha acid of those, those is. Some people say, well, you know, the alpha acid is, uh, is also related to the uh, volatile uh, oils that are in there. So, you know, the higher the alpha acid, the higher the oil levels, and so you want to adjust your dry hops that way. I've never found that to be true, but people uh, swear by that. So if that's if you believe that and that's the case for you, uh, 6.7 on the uh, Cascades alpha acid and uh, 9.9 on the Centennial and 11% on the Chinooks, all dry hopped. So Mike adds them when he waits until the... Bubbles are slowing down, and uh, uh, like a you know four bubbles a minute maybe, and then adds his dry hops in a sack. He, he sacks up on his hops and it submerge. Puts a big nut in there. Yeah, stainless. A lot of stainless uh, steel parts. And uh, drops his sack in the uh, submerged into the the conical there to uh, to submerge his sack in the in the beer. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stainless. And, uh, I can't reach that the, the, nu- tried. the nuts take it down to the bottom, <laughs> and then uh, and then he lets that sit for uh, how long do you let your sack sit in the until uh, uh, I'm done, until <laughs> he's done, till the dry hops complete, till it feels right. Yeah, yeah feels right. Right. Oh, right do you on. taste it? Yeah, yeah. Do you well, taste you're it on a regular? In, you're getting into my secrets here. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you taste it to see when it's time to pull your sack out of the? Uh, Dry I wait till the goat smiles at me. That's, that's, that's why. I, yeah. It's all about the goat smiling yes. back. Well, how, how long? How long do you dry hop? 
Well, uh, depends on the uh, beer. Um, if it's if it's like a seventeen Plato beer, you know, I'll um, about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And if it's just a pale ale, probably just one week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find that adding your dry hops earlier on in the fermentation is kind of like a like protects you possibly from wild yeasts that are on your hops? I mean, you still have active fermentation going on. Yeah, that's why I add it while there's still some bubbling going on, so that it sort of scrubs out the oxygen and. Uh, Okay. You know, obviously some of the uh, the aroma gets consumed by the uh, by the yeast, but uh, like Jamil says that's taken care of in the in the recipe. Right. Yeah, I, I used to put my hops in a sack and put a nut in there and you know sink it for dry hopping, and then uh, I had trouble getting like the sack out of the uh, get it's my messy. sack out of there. Yeah. And yeah, and and so up. I you know I stopped using the sack and I started going. Uh, just, just uh, commando, and commando. Uh, yeah. the hops go right in there. And uh, but uh, you know, uh, you're you have a concern about the the hops on the surface and all that. And I think with I think with it's whole probably hops, probably like a yeast reissue, you know, reusing the yeast kind of thing. Sometimes right, I right. will be pitching uh-huh, back uh-huh. on top of that, so I want to be able to remove at least the bulk of that uh, uh, vegetative matter. Well, you know, uh, on the whole hops, I bet you this is much more of an issue. If you were to toss whole hops in there, they don't break up. The pellets do tend to break <laughs> up into little bits and right. uh, yeah. sink eventually, so right. that that might be uh, somewhat helpful. See, I thought that with dry hopping, contact with the hops is a real issue, like you want as much contact as sure. possible. So I would have thought that your method of just throwing them in without the sack is possibly Sackless. more effective uh, because they're dispersing all through the wort, right, instead of just being in the little... Well, here's the thing. If, you, if you're going to go with a sack, you're going to need a big sack, and you're going to have a lot of hops in that sack. It's going to yeah. be a big, bulging sack that you're going to put in there. Yeah, make sure you use uh, a big so you're gonna sack. Have to, you're yeah. going to have well, to hop, use more. Hop swell, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. right. You don't want your sack to burst either. So, so you would actually... So you, Jamil, would actually use less hops because you don't use... Sack. Yeah. Then, then, I got no then sack. Yeah, you're does. into the area where the, the your process has a lot to do with the beer you make. It's yeah. the same thing. Like you give the same people the same recipe, they don't make the same beer because yeah. the process is different. And then, Jamil, would you then have to do a secondary because you just let the hot matter all into the wort, whereas uh, you know McDowell's kind of pulling a lot of it right back out? Uh, well, well I do rouse the fermenter, so I am sort of like maybe compensating for the fact that I got it all in the, right. in the sack. Yeah, he's not uh, dropping his yeast or anything, so he's not doing any any management of that as well. So I would do, you know, here's here's the thing for me. I would not worry about, for for me, I would not reuse that yeast because if I'm doing it, well, it depends. If you're doing a lighter gravity beer, maybe. But when I get past a certain IBU, if I get to 80 IBUs, I'm not going to reuse that yeast Hmm. because um, the hop resins will uh, coat the outsides of the yeast cells. Oh, yeah. And make it very difficult for them to reproduce. Reduces viability. This is the same way, you know, when people go, oh yeah, yeah, it hops and it uh, protects against uh, bacterial and spoilage and all that. It does the same thing to bacteria that it does to yeast. It coats the outside of the cell, the, the resins do, and it makes it hard for it to get nutrients and reproduce and all this. And that's how it, it prevents the uh, bacteria from spreading. Well, same thing happens to the yeast. So the yeast isn't really that great for reusing. If you if you want to read some interesting research, uh, look for um, debittering yeast. And they have a process for actually stripping the the hop resins off of the yeast cells in order to restore vital uh, the uh, viability of the yeast. And uh, you know, I thought it was fascinating that they do this. But that's one of the reasons. Once I once I get up into this IBU range, I'm not reusing the yeast anyways. 
you know, I don't do secondary anyways, and, you know, three weeks uh, on the East is not a big deal, so I just toss it in, and then uh, I take the beer out, and then I'm done. I guess, and I, because I know you don't do secondary, that's kind of what I meant, though. Even just having all of that hop matter in the beer mm-hmm. is kind of what I was thinking about, that you have a lot more hop matter in your beer if you're not using the sack than McDole does. Right. So do you have to then, you know, do a clarif- another clarifying step before you're serving it? No, because the, the hop uh, bits are, are fairly big compared to things like yeast. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, they either settle or they'll still be floating on the surface, whatever. You just draw the beer out from in between. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you might get a hop flake or two in there, but ah, it's That's good for you. Roughage. Yeah, good. Helps keep you regular. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we'll get into the process. All right. In fermentation. In fermentation. There you go. This fall, the most anticipated book in home brewing will be available from just one place. Uh, no, I did. You can get it in a lot of places. Well, the most anticipated book in home brewing will be available for pre-order from only one place. That's not true either. All right, smarty pants, but only one place will have it signed. Oh, that's cool. TheBrewingNetwork.com offers brewing classic styles by Jamil Zanishev, the most awarded homebrewer in history, and homebrewing expert John Palmer. Available now for pre-order from the Brewing Network store, signed by Jamil himself. It's every BJCP style. Every recipe is extract and all grain. Every single one has won awards. Every style has some tips on how you brew the beer, what to focus on, what the key parts are of brewing an excellent version of the style. Available this fall, Brewing Classic Styles. Pre-order your copy today. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com for more details. Did you know that you can not only order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Download the More Beer monthly podcast by clicking podcast at morebeer.com. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear ways to save you money. They're also launching a brand new website soon with more features and a better online shopping experience. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, 
right, we're back. We're here talking IPAs with uh, brewing legend Mike McDole. Oh, now we're, we're drinking way too much now. Can I, can I get some McDole, please? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, beer. Yeah, speaking of which, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I'm out of beer. Yeah, yeah uh, brewing legend. Uh, see, I get you your glass full. You got to say something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. butter me up. <laughs> <laughs> Give him the old ass little treatment. Yeah. All right, so uh, we covered the hopping, we covered the mash, uh, covered the specs on this, and uh, the yeast you're using is uh, WLP001 California Ale Yeast. You, have you ever tried the Y Yeast uh, 1056 as well, or the uh, Safel uh, US05? No, I have not, no. Always with the California Ale Yeast. Well, yeah, I like Good to keep product, I have yeah. uh, basically two yeast I use, is the 001 and the 833, you know, of course, with the lagers. And mm-hmm. Once in a while, of course, my Belgians, I do something different, but just a yeast I've uh, known to grow and love, the 001, so I just uh, deal with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, that clean uh, California-American uh, ale yeast. Yeah. Really does a great job on uh, a wide variety of beers. I use it in the Scottish ales as well, and I'll use yeah. it in just, just about everything. I use it in the Flanders to start with. Really? And then I pitch my bugs. Right. I need to get your Flanders recipe too later. I tell you that Flanders, oh, I love that, love that stuff. Oh, God. That is so great. And so what? what so I guess we're done. I guess we're done. Drink more beer. Well, right. We needed some of that Flanders. Oh, right. this idea. So, uh, uh, what do you ferment at? What's your fermentation process? Well, a beer like this, I like to ferment about sixty-eight, maybe sixty-nine. Mm-hmm. I'd rather get too much higher. You like the sixty-nine? Yeah. Yeah. I love 69. It works. And uh, sometimes at the end, you know, when it uh, gets to be the last couple of days, I might bump it up to 73, 74 just to make sure there's nothing left in it. Mm-hmm. But uh feel safe because all, you know, all the ester production, all the possible ester production is over, so I don't care, mind a higher uh, finishing temperature like that. I'm with you. I like to start a little cooler, and then uh, once you get past a certain point, Ah, you know, it's really nothing to worry about. I mean, you're pretty much already locked in everything that you're going to do. Yeah, there's some limits to it, but you can jack it up a few degrees and really not ruin the beer. I just realized why why uh, you agree with me because I probably learned it from you. <laughs> it's like, well, that's you know, that's that's true. I mean, that's probably yeah. it. Right? Well, Mike and I share a lot of information. Yeah. We don't share it with you, John, because yeah. uh, we we're, you know we're afraid of you in competition already. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to give you any advantage over us. Yeah, that's right. The last few things that us Damn old Todgers have is uh, our secrets. Now that I've given you the goat thing, I think I'm pretty much screwed. But <laughs> go buy yep. a goat. Uh, Mike, got it Mike's now. holding on to a few of them. Nice. And Mike, when you ferment, um, you're pitching cold. I take it, 65, yeah. 66. Yeah, like a you know good pitching temperature, like three degrees before where I want to be fermenting. And you're holding it for two weeks at 67, 68. Just yeah. And then do you are, do you think you're doing a diacetyl rest when you're ramping it up to 72, 74? Oh, well. Yeah, or are you just trying to get more yeah, kick yeah, out of well, it? Well, I'm right? just trying to like make sure that it's completely finished. Actually, huh. you know, as far as I, it'll go. Now, but I mean, that's not that low. But believe me, my beer, what is this? Like a 1068 beer or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 1068. It's probably finished like at uh, 1017, 1018. Do you actually notice a gravity drop in that last three, four days? Or I mean, do you are you no, looking at it? No, I'm, you just again, do it for insurance. Uh, an old wise man said, you know, if you've got a big beer, just let it ferment out a little, an extra, you know, week, week. or whatever. Okay, but it's a total three week ferment. For a big beer like this, right. yeah. Like well, a, including the dry hopping and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it takes a while. Okay. Then, like, you know, a beer like the, a Pliny that I make, which, or double IP, I'll say, it's probably like a Pliny, um, might take four weeks for that beer to hmm. come out. 
Now, are yeah, you? I'll tell you, you know, the Pliny that I made was really good, which uh, bested Mike's Pliny at the uh, Mayfair. Ooh. <laughs> and that one hurts, yeah. Um, I actually called was up it, Mike. Was that my what? recipe? It wasn't uh, my recipe. Well, yeah, it's kind of like Vinny's recipe. I th- well, somebody's just kind of like Vinny's. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, no, but I called up Mike and... Uh, I was like, Mike, okay, so I need to do the, you know, what's my next yeah, step? Yeah. Tell me about dry the dry hopper. Yeah. yeah. Mike, you, you know, just gave away the bird. Give him give, give him his advice, yeah. Well, that one didn't win. It was actually a oh. uh, traditional block that won. Oh, okay. And then the Scottish Shady or... We have it or something. Like that? Yeah, that and then it was and show. then it was Mike's beer. <laughs> so I was like third uh, third runner up. Yeah, the, the, the so the Imperial didn't uh, yeah. play into it. But uh, well, you know, I'll tell you, this, I'd, won, I'd, I'd won beer. best of show the prior two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And Jamil hadn't entered. Then he enters. <laughs> he gets best of show, runner up best of show, and I get second runner up best of show. Now, clearly, <laughs> if he hadn't entered, I'd have won my third in a row. Triple bird. Triple yes. bird, best of show. But no. Right. Jamil needed his triple bird. <laughs> no, he was afraid that he was... I to stick it to my buddy he'd, here. he'd already won two birds, <laughs> and he wouldn't get his third before I got my third. Well, because you were mentioning it, and then Drew like, starts needling me. Well, yeah, Drew has to like, take oh, a lot of the blame, because yeah, yeah. he was egging you on. Yeah. You're not going to let him do this, are you? Right. Like, yeah, oh, okay, see, I'll screw with him. He was creating controversy. <laughs> it's like WWF of home brewing. Kind That's of thing. right. It's amazing how big home brewing can be like... You know. Yeah, we don't get too exciting, so yeah, we have not to like, pump it up when we can. <laughs> Sweaty eh? palms at the dinner, you know. Yeah. All right, so what were we talking about? We're talking about fermentation, beer, fermentation, fermentation, temperature, okay. um, yeast strain. We did one uh, how, yeast pitch size. Is that I talk about that? Right. No, no. Well, what about yeast? How, how much do you pitch? Do you do oxygen? No oxygen. How, how do you handle this? Starter well, on a beer like this, I've probably made a. Uh, you know, like a blonde blonde ale or something like that, or maybe a pale ale. So I'm, I'm probably pitching on top of a previous yeast. But if I and I made one, uh, it's in the fermenter now. So sort of, uh, about three weeks ago, I made one, and I had a new pitch. So I used a uh, two and a half gallon carboy and made a like a two gallon starter in mm-hmm. anticipation of that. Wow! Just for the, just for your double IPA? Yeah. Wow. Right. Mm. And so the same thing. I do that for lagers all the time. Now, if you after you reuse the yeast for a pale ale, what beer are you going to put on top of that yeast bed for this over the top? So I I, use a, IPA, I mean. Sorry. After the IPA, yeah. we usually, I'll stop Double? it because I mean, where am I going? I, unless I'm doing a barley wine, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So that's usually like the and you're done. the last in the series, sure. Okay. Anytime you get um, you know past five six percent alcohol, and anytime you get past you know thirty forty IBUs, it's time to retire that yeast, if you ask me. I think uh, you know your step Too is strong. on the on the smaller ones, unless you're doing you know the same beer over and over again. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, you know it really does a lot, uh, hammers the, the yeast pretty hard in a beer like this. Now, sometimes what I'll do is I'll I'll know that I'm, I want to make another beer after this, and I'll uh, top crop the yeast off of the mm-hmm. off of the current batch. Well, I don't care what it is, and then I'll I'll make a starter with that. So it'll be a starter of like maybe a gallon starter with. Uh, Couple of big scoops, uh, big spoon scoops, your brewing spoon scoops, down mm-hmm. sanitize of uh, the top crop, and uh, makes a great starter. You've never seen a starter take off so fast as when you take. Uh, and you're just taking like yeast. a tablespoon or two. Uh, I use my brewing, you know, your brewing spoon, a big, you know, scoop. It's oh, probably okay. wide. It's probably a stainless almost steel. a half an ounce per spoon or something okay. like that. And how do you keep that sterile transferring from your fermenter into your starter? I mean, are you just taking well, I mean, it right you know, there? I'm using some, yeah, it's all together there. So, I mean, I've got a sanitized container, and I've got covered up. And it, 
Okay. Open up the fermenter and sneak the sanitized spoon in there, and right. you know, sure, there's a chance, but well, you've got so much yeast, anyways. So. Well, and if you if you go back to a starter and you're you know below 1040 and you right. know no IBUs, right. uh, you know it gives the the yeast and you plenty of oxygen and nutrients, it gives the yeast a chance to spring off some offspring that uh, you know can mm-hmm. can do all right as long as you have no uh, mutants going on. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it could be could be you know. Uh, recover that yeast and and start right back up again. Now, are you doing that multiple times, top cropping, batch to batch, or do you have a, a end well, point? Well, it depends on the brewing schedule, you know, what right. I'm trying to make. But I've been known to do that, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'd rather have a top crop than a vial of new yeast, don't you? Now, you compete a lot with your home brewing. Now, do you keep a schedule at all? Or well, do when, you brew when I'm brewing, like, a number of beers for a competition, you know, right. like, I've got something coming up in October, and I've got, like, a, at this point, I've just got a list of the beers I want to make. Okay. But in the next day or two, I've got to create a schedule that, uh, you know, because I basically run uh, one uh, lager and one ale at a time. Okay. Sometimes I'll do two ales. But. All right, we've got some uh, questions. Oh, yeah, we got somebody on the phone. Nice. Got Carlo. With an IPA uh, oh, Carlo. Carlo question. Third place. Don't Carlo. Carlo's Carlo doing awesome. Carlo knows IPAs. Uh, Carlo's, Carlo's got the bronze, awesome. I think, to show that, didn't he? Every time he wins, too, I'm like, woo! Congratulations. How you guys doing? Great. Great. How are you? Good, good. You got a question for the IPA master here? Uh, I actually do, and it's in regard to competition. Congratulations again on, uh, on that Sam Adams deal. But for the first round... Uh, the beer, the IPA that I brewed, it was a tad more bitter than the second beer that I sent in for the second round. And I think it was just much cleaner to the second round. And it ended up bronze, you know, getting a bronze in the second round. And I was just wondering, for American IPAs, do they, do the judges like it really clean or do they want almost a dirty bitter edge on it just the hairs of that because i felt personally i liked my first one that had that slightly more bitter edge on it than the super clean one that bronzed in the second round i was just wondering what you guys thought well when you're talking clean are you talking about the uh the ester profile or are you talking it sounds like you're talking about the bittering yeah i i think it is much more on the bittering okay side so so a rougher harsher bittering yeah, it was the exact same recipe. I think what made the difference was I took a lot of the hops from the bottom of the kettle into the fermenter. Mm-hmm. And the second time, I took virtually none of the boiled hops into the fermenter. And I'm thinking that that may have made a difference. Well, that tends to give you a little more veggie kind of thing going on. I see. But uh, generally, I, I you know, you can, for American IPAs, you know, they're looking for a clean... Uh, fermentation profile. They're looking for a, a good punchy hop uh, bitterness and a punchy hop aroma and, and flavor. Right. So it can be a little sharper in the bitterness, and that'll actually, you know, in a beer that doesn't have that, you know, later in the flight, uh, you could run into trouble. Sure. You know, but if you have a, you know, what you're saying is a cleaner bitterness early on, that can actually do very well for you. So. IPA is a really tricky category where uh, your placement in it makes a big difference. Yeah. Mm. So just in the line, you know, itself. I, yeah. I, I could see either way actually helping you. Um, yeah. What about region though too? I mean, 
you go to the East Coast and yeah, the East Coast uh, generally they're looking for more of a balanced beer. Or okay, right in the Midwest as well. Yeah, yeah. out here you know you can have just a blasting. I took a couple bottles of double IPA to the uh, conference and poured it for a few people from elsewhere. I said uh, they go, that's hoppy. (laughs) I said, yeah, that's what we consider. You know. Like a hoppy beer out in West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> they go, yeah, that's that's hoppy, all right. But I like the smooth bitterness. Like George Fix talks about talked about the the tasting profiles from first wort hopping, and uh, it's just like a smoother bitter that happened to be preferred by tasting panels. Yeah, it's and nonsense. I don't know if that was <laughs> making a difference in that smooth bitter as opposed to more of a harsh bitter too. You know, uh, you know, if you try them side by side, uh, you know, and and see see what you prefer. Yeah, set yourself up a blind triangle yeah. where somebody else pours them for you, and then you know, pick out the one that you like, and sure. and send that one in, the one that you think you know drinks best, because yeah. well, in the long run, that's really, you know, you should be sending those beers forward. Right, right. Well, I I rebrewed it because I figured with IPA it should be as fresh as possible for the second round. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thank you. Thanks, Carla. Thanks, Carla. All right, have a good night. I think that's a pretty valid point. I mean, if you're brewing an IPA, if you're into home brewing competitions, definitely having a fresh beer, hop, fresh hop flavor, aroma coming through is definitely mm-hmm. important. I sure. think, from sure. a judging standpoint, I mean, yep. you don't want a six month old IPA. I mean, oh no, fresher the better. Sure. Right. Yeah. All right, so we've got some questions from the uh, chat room. Yes, sir. Uh, Few for Mike McDole here, the man. Uh, people want to know your hop back that you mentioned, the actual device. Are you using a B3 hop back because they can see that, or is it a different? No, the uh, yeah. Th- what I'm using is a uh, it's like a hop back that I had welded at B3 actually. Okay. Uh, it's a use a, a vessel called a Bain Marie B A I N Marie is in Marie, and you get them at uh, restaurant supply houses and uh, just a uh, cylindrical uh, canister. And you get it with the lid, and then you have to make your own gasket, and you have to have a fitting welded at the bottom, you know, just, you know, so, and you, again, you've got a uh, false bottom, a kind of thing you've built for it. Then it has, like, a entry point at the top, and then you, you know, I had to build, like, a, a clamping mechanism for the lid, but basically it's an air airtight system. So, you know, 10 minutes uh, prior to uh, flame out, I recirculate wort through this whole hot back, you know, to sterilize it and that kind of thing. And then uh, once I've done that, then I, you know, I add the uh, uh, hop sack full of hops, about four ounces. And this, it's about a, this one I'm using is about a, a quart and a half, I believe. So you have a good size sack for that, huh? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good size sack. Uh, <laughs> I've always been proud of my large hop sacks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, what it, it does for me is it adds a hop flavor, uh, filters a lot of things I don't want in my uh, ferment out. I don't know if they're uh, that significant or not, but I do uh, believe that it, it helps in that area too. Does it okay. fil- does it filter for you? you d- well, you know when I stuff? when I take this hop sack out of there, it's okay. like a solid. It's got uh, it's pulled down so tight in the bottom of this thing that the corners are t- are completely angled. Uh, like like wow. when you were young. Yes. All right. What's the next question? Uh, people want to know what you feel you get out of the carapils that you put in this recipe. Well, I'm looking for uh, like a body kind of thing, a uh, like a little uh, against a little more sweetness to counter 
counterbalance the, the big hop bill that I have there. Okay. You mentioned you dry hop at about uh, when you see 15 seconds between yeah. the bubbles. Uh, is there, a, on this beer, is there a rough gravity that people are shooting for? Well, this beer probably starts out at 1068 or something like that. Your results are very based on your efficiency, but uh, the beer, I'm probably down to like 1018 or something like that. I'm looking for when you're 1017, 1016 when, I'm, when I... Uh, Knock it out. Okay. Uh, this one you might not be able to do quick, but try. Uh, you talked about uh, when you recirculate during the mash about how it changes the color. Right. Uh, why do you think that it does that? Well, yeah, I think there's sort of like a, uh, like a tea bag effect because, you know, if you just leave your tea bag sit in your tea, it's going to be, you know, when you're tea fairly bagging? dark. You know, yeah. you know, yeah, did you meals on this? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole other syrup. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, it's just, you know, because of the movement and, and, the, and there's actually when I recirculate, I probably do it a little bit too aggressively but it's just my style there's sort of a pull down of the grain bed and I think again that uh, really uh, emphasizes the uh, teabag effect okay and then Mr. Jay-Z last question um, what's the difference between the US and the UK uh, IPAs according to uh, the BJCP like how the styles differ uh, yeah, the English IPA is going to be uh, a bit more mellow of beer. So the American IPA is going to be bolder. It's going to use American citrusy hops and piney hops. It's uh, generally a higher alcohol beer, a more bitter beer. And English tends to be a little more, um, you know, malty and mellow and balanced. Uh, a little more estuary as well. And the American version tends to be a little cleaner. Uh, I guess that's it. Yeah. All right, so uh, stay tuned to the uh, Brew Network for details on how to win a trip to the GABF. And uh, listen on Sundays as well. You'll I be mean, there, won't you? Totally free. Yeah, I'll be at GABF signing books with my uh, buddy Rock Candy and Mike McDowell. He's going to be the long shot winner, I'm predicting. I got a free ride, baby. Nice. Free ride. And uh, let's see, uh, shirts and uh, the new BN shirts and uh, the... Uh, Brewing classic styles, or whatever the hell we named it, a bu- uh, book, <laughs> <stupid> book. <laughs> is, is available in the in the uh, Brewing Network store right now. I want you to buy it from the Brewing Network if yeah. you can. I know you can get it cheaper elsewhere, all the uh, regular places. But if you buy from the Brewing Network, it helps Justin uh, keep Pay his the rent. mics on and yeah. things like that, and uh, you know it really helps support this show as well. And uh, up next, we're going to talk about English barley wine in our next episode, which is uh, coming up in like uh, two minutes. Perfect. You got just enough time to recap the recipe. Do it before the voice starts. Uh, 80% pale malt, uh, 6% carapils, 6% crystal 60, 3% crystal 120, and 3% Munich malt, uh, a bunch of Chinook Centennial Cascade Centennial and Chinook hops, California ale yeast mash at uh, 153, maybe 154, ferment around 68, 68. 69 degrees Fahrenheit. Dry hop on day seven. Dry hop uh, when when God rests. Dry hop and uh, great beer. <laughs> there you go. Bruce Strong, everybody. Peace out. Peace. The Jamil Show has been a production of the Brewing Network. Please send questions for Jamil to Jamil at the Brewing Network.